teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Everly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. Verse number 28 of Hebrews 12, Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. I like that. Oh, Jesus. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Godly fear is not fear like a rattlesnake. I think most of us understand that. It's talking about reverence. With godly reverence. So let us serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Hallelujah. Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read the Bible, I see what it says, but then I see what the opposite of what it says is. And you can learn things uh, by looking at the opposite of it. Here he said, we, we are to serve God acceptably. There is an acceptable way to serve Him. And you might say the opposite of that is there is an unacceptable way to serve God. I mean, I don't think that'd be adding anything to the Bible, do you? Why well, even mention acceptable if there is no such thing as unacceptable service, you know, or help or so forth and so on. Amen? Amen. So we're going to look at this tonight. We're going to look at learning to serve God acceptably. And really, because of that, we're going to learn... Uh, you might, let's just go to another passage before we uh, actually say that. Over in the book of Matthew, let's look at the 22nd chapter of Matthew. We're going to look at a lot of references tonight. Kind of what was coming to me is just a lot of references, a lot of things going to be coming. So if you can't keep up with your notes or what you're writing down there, just at least catch it with your heart. Yeah. Amen. Don't you appreciate the technology to get it and capture it on audio so we can go back over it. So uh, here in Matthew 22, verse 14, let's look what it says. Jesus is speaking. Many are called, but few are chosen. Now, we could apply that to the ministry, but you read the New Testament carefully. Uh, there's a lot of different things that God calls us to other than just somebody being called to the fivefold ministry. Yeah, we're called to be saints. Amen. A lot of different things. We're called to serve and give and be a blessing. Um, so, and however you apply this, he's saying to us, you know, the call is a summons or an invitation to something. If you call somebody to you to talk to them, then you're summonsing them. He said many are invited or many are summons to certain things, but not everybody is chosen. You could say not everybody's picked. Um, well, I, I read things like that and I think, well, then how do I move from God choosing me to do something or calling me to do something in order to a place to where I'm somebody that God says, all right, let's pick them. How do I move from that place how, where God wants to do something through me, but then I actually somebody that he ends up using to do that? We have a, well, it's kind of, we've been doing a Bible school in our church and we've been doing some mentoring classes for those called to the ministry and I know that's not everybody but in this particular class we've approached those individuals and I've and I've made it plain we took a whole semester in fact I think the Timothy projects are, they're all back there on the table you can go back there and get it I don't know how many services 28 services maybe in that one there are various different ones but uh, the Timothy projects what it's called and it's a, it's a kind of like a beginning course for people that sense maybe the call to ministry 
And uh, we don't talk much about all the anointings on the, all the ministries. I think maybe we get to that a little bit. But most thing we talk about is being somebody who qualifies. Because the call does not qualify you. What qualifies you is a proper response to the call. If you look over in the book of Revelation, and I didn't write this, uh, this passage down. Well, here it is, Revelation 17, 14. How many of you are glad you write things in your Bible? Amen. Revelation 17, 14 tells us what actually enables us to move from being, uh, here he called it, cho uh, called over to chosen. He added the word faithful in Revelation 17, 14. So there's something that we've got to be faithful to. In the eyes of God. Now faithfulness in the eyes of God a lot of times looks different than faithfulness to man. Um, so, but to be somebody who moves from being called to something, in other words, God says, a call is a summons. I like to think of it that way. I want you, come here, I want you to do something for me. Uh, and then uh, being actually somebody God can say, all right, I'm going to pick them to actually do it, is actually responding to the call. And responding in... Uh, Obedience, yes, but willingness and faithfulness. And uh, some other things we're going to see here about being acceptable. Amen. Now go to Ephesians. Like I said, we're going to look at a lot of references tonight. Um, we call ourselves word people. And so it's all right. Just kind of the way it came to me today. It's a bit more of a teachy kind of a flow tonight, I think. Unless the Holy Ghost moves us into something else. It's always open. Ephesians chapter 4, let's look what it says here. This is about the fivefold ministry. We can start in verse number 11. You know about these fivefold. They gave some, some, not all, apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Now, what are they for? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The word perfecting means a couple of things, but for the, the, the perfecting of the saints. Some translations say, so that they can do the, the saints can do the work of the ministry. Acts 6, you remember, there was things that needed done there in the early church. And the apostles said, it's not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve these tables. And we'll get to that and do some defining there because that helps ministry. But um, here he's talking about the work of the ministry is what the saints do. A lot of times Christians see the preacher as the one who does the work of the ministry. Well, there's a whole lot more work than one man can do to any ministry. So, for the perfecting of the saints, the, the fivefold ministry offices are for the perfecting of the saints so that they can do the work of the ministry. Now, um, the, the, per, the word perfecting is what I came over here to look at with you. Uh, we all know, and have many of us study this out, and it means, and I've, I've looked at it many times, uh, it means uh, perfecting means maturing of the saints. That's the main meaning, uh, maturing. He's not talking about being without fault, never ever stumbling or failing in any way. Uh, when you arrive to that place, we're going to all sit down and you do the teaching. Because I'm not there yet. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But the perfecting of the saints means the maturing of the saints. You know, as a spiritual, we're born spiritual babies just like a natural person is born spirit, I mean, born a baby. And we've got to grow. And that's what he talks about down through here. But I was looking at this a couple of years ago again, just looking at the definition of perfecting. And I was startled that I had missed something that was right there. And it's in all these Greek definitions that I was startled that I had missed. And that is the word perfecting also means right ordering or right arrangement. Yeah. Woo! Boy, that spoke volumes to me. 
I could preach for a week on it. Hallelujah. Do you know that these fivefold ministries are given to bring our lives into order? Divine order. Hallelujah. Brings our families into order, our marriages into order. How about our brains and our minds into order? Our finances come into order. Everything about our life starts taking on God's order. Not bondage. Order is freedom, actually, when you get things in divine order. Uh, you know, uh, for example, you walk up to a soda machine or maybe an ATM machine or something, and if it has a sign on it that says, out of order, that tells you that there's something in it that's not functioning the way it should. And there's a lot of dysfunction in the body of Christ. And this verse tells us why. One of the reasons why is they're not sitting under these five-fold ministry offices. Or else the ministry office is there, but they're not receiving it right. Amen. So God wants our lives to come into order. And what He's saying here is that really proper function is the result of growing up. And when, when believers come into, their lives come into divine order, they are prepared more and more to be given more in the area of faithfulness in doing the work of the ministry. You know, over in 1 Timothy 3, we read a list of first, verses 1 through 8, I believe it is, 1 through 7, somewhere in there. It lists the qualifications for the fivefold ministry. But then it says, and then there's qualifications, he calls it for deacons. Well, there's a verse we haven't looked at. Verse, seven, verse 8 through 13, qualifications for helps ministry is what the, deacons, the term deacons means. Well, you know, um, we, we, we stick to that in our congregation. We let people know these are the qualifications. In other words, God expects a higher standard out of those of us who are either in the ministry or we're in the helps ministry than, than just the general congregation. He expects more out of us. Why? Because we actually become somebody that people look to as an example. As an example of a Christian, as an example of Jesus, as an example of, of, of the, the pastors. We're, we're uh, you know, uh, I'm thinking, trying to think of the word, representing the pastors. When you're working in the children's church and you have an old snooty attitude whenever somebody checks in their child, because the last time, last five times, that child's caused you a lot of problems. Well, that's representing the pastor with that snooty attitude. And people get an idea about the church out of your snooty attitude. Just keep looking straight ahead. I don't know who it is. <laughs> Amen. Just an illustration. We all understand that. Amen. So, uh, you know, here he's talking about the, the right ordering of the saints. In other words, getting the saints to the place where their lives come in order. And not only that, but whenever, where they find the place they fit in the work of the ministry. Because there's a place you fit. There's no such thing as, as someone who's a misfit in the body of Christ. I don't fit in anywhere. No, you fit. God puts you in the body as it pleased Him. There's a place for you. You have a supply. Something to bring, something to offer. Hallelujah. Amen. Sometimes people, whenever they say, I don't need to go to church. I can be a good Christian without going to church. Well, you're robbing us all. Amen. <laughs> you have something to offer. Amen. Don't rob us. Amen. Besides that, you need the church. Amen. All right, so the, the right ordering of the saints to do the work of the ministry. Now, over there in Acts chapter number 6, let's go over to there where we were looking. I mean, we were just referring to that. Some of you are familiar with how the, the, the helps ministry was established in the early church. 
Let's put it this way, the early days of the church. It's the same church today. Acts 6, we look at verse number 1. In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. They were taking care of the widows with food and so forth. Then the twelve called together, or called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Uh, the word serve there is the Greek word we get our word deacon from. We could actually define it that way, because it's translated in the New Testament and other places, deacon. It's not reason that we should leave the Word of God and deacon tables. <laughs> that means serve tables, give, you know, do, do the work of, of uh, serving and, and so forth. Now, um, over in 1 Corinthians, I'm not turning there, I'm just going to give you some things. You can listen, I think many of us know many of these verses. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, the Bible talks about he's, he, these, these ministries, and he said one of the ministries said in the church is helps. It's not in the five-fold ministry, but it is a ministry that helps the five, someone in the five-fold ministry. Amen. 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 So uh, the word helps and deacon really come together, and they, they kind of mean the same thing. Some translations say 1 Corinthians 12, 28, where it says helps. Others say helpers. Other translations say assistants. I like the Taylor translation, those who help others. So the helps ministry is someone who's not in charge of the ministry, but they're helping someone who is in charge. And uh, we could take a whole service or two and just go through verse after verse in the New Testament that shows that in the local church, the pastor is the one in charge. Amen. 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 I was awfully weak for this congregation. Not in charge because, you know, in charge like Hitler or something like that. There is a, a, a Bible model for leadership. And it's not the Hitler style, it's a servant leader. Serving the people, serving their, their well-being and what God has for them and so forth. So, and we can take a lot of time to get into that and we don't have the time. We want to stick with what God's put in our heart. But those who help others, amen. Literally, in the Greek here, and I'm talking about 1 Corinthians 12, 28, helps means the relief. Relief. In other words, it is, a, it is a help that relieves that minister of duties so he doesn't have to do them. Hallelujah. The root word it, uh, is mean, it's made up of two words. To take hold of or to take, and the other word means against in the room of, for, as, as a substitute. I'm defining 1 Corinthians 12, 28, where it says helps there. It means to take hold of as a substitute instead of. So you're doing something that, that's, that's bringing a supply to the main leader of the ministry in their stead so that they don't have to do all that. So they can, according to Ephesians, give themselves to the Word of God in prayer and don't have to be running around like a chicken with the head cut off. Amen. So, means to take hold in somebody else's place under proper authority. Not just doing it willy-nilly or like we want to do it, but under their guidance, under their leadership. We're going to get into that. So it means to, it's also translated to help, partake, or support. I like, uh, these are support ministries, in other words. They support uh, uh, others that are leading a ministry. They don't have, they're not the lead of the ministry. They don't have their own ministry. They're supporting somebody else's ministry. Got to remember that. Amen. Amen. Now the word deacon, I'm back here in Acts now. 
Acts 6 where it says there serve tables, that's the Greek word for deacon, it means to be an attendant, wait upon, or aid, literally means to run errands or do menial duties. Well, I want to be the head honcho. Well, this is where you start. If God does have anything else for you in mind, this is where you start. Hallelujah. Now, um, there we look through the Bible and we see that uh, there is a, a place over in the book of Acts. I'm looking for it here. I think it's the 13th chapter. You might want to just run over there real quick. It's another word used here, uh, used in the New Testament, you might say, that defines, or, 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 or as we look at the definition, we understand helps ministry. This is Acts 13, verse number 5. When they were, they were at Salamis, they preached, this is Paul and his company, they preached the word of God unto, in the synagogue of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. Now that's John Mark. You might remember his story in the New Testament. He went with, in fact, you go over to the 13th verse here in the same 13th chapter. Eventually he went back home. He went back to Jerusalem. Remember later in the 15th chapter, Paul didn't see fit to take him with them because he had quit the first time. Really, he knew he wasn't ready for the persecution that was coming. But anyway, John Mark was traveling with Paul and his company, and he was there and was to their minister, he said. Notice that term. The word minister here, it means an under rower. Amen. Somebody who is uh, underneath the charge of somebody else doing the duties. Now see, this is a ministry. He calls it a ministry here. Isn't that right? But it's under somebody else. It's not the same Greek word translated minister in other places. It's a ministry under other ministries. Can you see that? So that ought to tell you a little bit about the fact that the helps ministers who, who want to tell the pastor how to do things aren't really serving acceptably because that's not their role. That's not their function. That's not divine order. Amen. God has an order for things. He's not a, you know, scatterbrained God. Just everybody figure something out and everybody find something to do and do it. Well, under divine order. Amen. Amen. So really, in order to be qualified to be somebody that God picks to, when I say God picks, number one, to put in a place of authority under somebody else, and also there's promotion that comes with that. Every person that's in the health ministry might not be, eventually, might not be in the five-fold ministry because that's not God's plan for all of us. He said some. We already looked at that. But they still uh, have to understand that God wants to continually increase them because of that. It, it, he wants to increase them in many areas. They qualify for increase through serving in these ways. Now, we'll look at some of the different ways God will increase. Like, for example, remember Matthew 25. He said, you're faithful over a few things to make you ruler over much. In other words, there can be greater stewardship given to someone who faithfully executes serving somebody else. Greater stewardship over a department or over things. You know, maybe they're counted faithful with money and they won't, you know, cheat or do anything like that. So, you know, you can help count the offerings, so forth. So just a lot of different areas that God could promote us in. But the main thing I want you to see is, and I wish I had time to get into this more, but uh, the way the Bible, remember the Bible says, humble yourself under the hand of the Lord and He will exalt you in due time. Amen. What does that exalting mean? It can mean a whole host of things. 
You know, you can actually, and actually we've seen this at our church, people get promotions on their job because they were faithful in helps ministry. In, the, in our congregation, I can tell you any number of people who because of the way we trained them in helps ministry and the adjustments they made and therefore carried it over into their job, their boss said, there's something about you I want to promote. And they got a promotion with a pay increase. Amen. Really, you look at the Bible whenever it says God lifts somebody up, you, it can be defined in a several ways. For example, in James 5, the Bible says over there in James 5, if any is sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church, pray over him, anointing with all in the name of the Lord, pray of faith, save the sick, and the Lord shall huh? raise him up. I used to think, well, okay, well, let's just raise him up off the sick bed. Well, he didn't say he was in bed. He just called healing being lifted up. You know, sickness is being brought low, but healing is being lifted up. Then you go over to the book of Psalms. I think it's 100. Well, I don't remember which chapter it is, but you'll remember it. Um, the Bible talks about God. Uh, he lifteth the poor and needy out of the dunghill to sit him with princes. Hallelujah. So poverty is being low. Prosperity is being lifted up. He calls it being lifted up, being raised up. So there's a whole lot of ways to reap a harvest of increase and promotion off of helps ministry that go beyond just the way we think of it. Praise God. You know, payday doesn't always come the same way. Sometimes with God, it comes in ways, He'll bring, he'll bring favor into your life. You didn't even, there was no way you could have worked that favor in your life. Hallelujah. Praise God. I could tell you so many, I keep thinking of stories of people in the church, but I want to move on for time's sake. Hallelujah. So thank God for the helps ministry. This is not a low position. This is a high position. What a, what a privilege. David said, I'd rather serve, I'd rather just be the doorkeeper in the house of God than be out there in the world. That's just a wonderful thing to serve God. Hallelujah. Now, um, it's, uh, when it comes to helps ministry, when there's problems in helps ministry, sometimes, well, things aren't going right in the department or so forth, the, the person to go to, if you just understand this, it'll just kind of clear up a lot of things. The person to go to is somebody has, has the charge to do something about it in that department, either the pastor or, or somebody in charge in that department. And to talk to them is not spreading strife. That's staying within, that's staying within that proper place of authority. But to talk to somebody else about it who has no authority to do about it, that's spreading strife in the church. If we understand that, just stay in our place. What is our place? When we know our place and just stay in our place, we stay a blessing. We're, we're somebody God can use and promote and so forth and so on. Hallelujah. All right. So let's look at some things the Bible says is the proper heart for helps ministry. Would that be all right? Amen. In other words, this is what causes us to go from being called over to being picked. Either being picked initially to be used or being picked for promotion. Isn't that a good thing to think about? I want to be promoted. I remember back uh, uh, a few years ago, I don't know, two or three years ago, I'd have to go back and look, but the Lord said to me one day in prayer, after pastoring for, what was it, eight, nine years at the time, um, the Lord said to me, uh, you're coming into faith, your harvest off of faithfulness in phase two of your ministry. And I said to the Lord, Lord, what is that? <laughs> I want to know, I want to know. He said, 
He said to me, now I'm not saying this is for you, but I'm just tell, I'm, I'm illustrating this increase principle. See, I'm standing in the fivefold, uh, the fivefold ministry, but it's true. This principle is true about everything. When you're faithful in a little bit, He'll make you ruler over much. Now that can apply in a lot of different ways, but one of the ways it applies to is in finances. And in this case, the Lord said, you're coming into your harvest off of faithfulness in phase two. I said, what is that? And this is what He said to me. And boy, did it happen. It just started happening. He said, where you've had $1,000 come into your life, now you'll have 10000 I said, I like that. <laughs> Do you know prosperity is not all about just one thing, such as giving and receiving and so forth? There's three things you have to have in place. Number one, know your covenant and claim it. Know your rights financially and claim it. Number two, it is tithing, sowing, and giving. Sowing and reaping, you might call it. Then number three, there are just some things you can't get into unless you're faithful with what God called you to do. Amen. And what God said I'm reaping a harvest off of is that number three thing, being faithful in what God called me to do. There's some things a lot of Christians don't get into because two of those things are in place but not all three of them. Or one of them's in place and not all three of them, or none of them. You get a stool up here that has three legs on it. If one of the legs is kicked out from under it, it's going down. And that's the truth about prosperity. People sometimes, they're, 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 they know about their covenant. They speak their covenant. Maybe they tithe and give. And they're, they're receiving some things that God said are theirs. But they're not, they, they're not receiving at all. Well, what about what God told you to do? Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, within months of the Lord saying that to me, God gave us some investments that, in, that multiplied 15-fold. And it happened. Where, where I used to have 1,000 come in, now 10,000 coming in. I'm not saying that to brag on me. You realize I've been trying to do that for a long time and it wasn't working. <laughs> I'm talking about God and what He did. Praise God. Some of you wouldn't get excited if I said I got a million dollars for you. Glory! Katie Warner back here, she runs the daycare that we have. God told us to start a daycare. And uh, the industry she was working in, whenever God told her to, because we had it in her heart for her to do it, but, you know, we didn't want to ask her to do it without her, her and her husband being in agreement about it. Yeah. So we, we, I don't know, did we talk to you at first, or did you say something? I don't remember how it all worked out. But uh, anyway, uh, she prayed about it, and her and her husband just came in agreement that that was, uh, that was the plan of God for her at this time, at least. So... Um, she actually, in the industry she was working in, took a cut. Because, you know, realize that each industry has a set level of how much money flows in that industry. I'm not calling our daycare an industry, but you know what I mean. I mean, you, you, you can only, if you're going to compete in the marketplace, you can't charge, you know, twice as much as everybody else and have a daycare. So we had to compete, and, and that sets the salaries and everything. So she took a cut. I don't know how much. I didn't ask. It wasn't my business. But a fairly good cut because I know the industry she was working in. And uh, came to work in a daycare. And within a short time, all kinds of things. They got a new house, a, a bigger house. Yeah. And Matt's making more money than he's ever made. Amen. They're doing, I, last I talked to them, they're doing better than they ever have done. Yeah. Pays to serve God. Yeah. Hallelujah. And the daycare is growing and exploding. By the end of the year, we're expecting 200 children. Just, we just had an had a event in the church. How many got saved? 50 some? Fifty-five kids got saved. Out of that, most, I think all of them maybe out of the daycare. Praise God. Woo! You think God's not putting that down to her account? Amen. 
Now his company's got a contract, I think it's a contract, or however you describe that with Verizon. You probably actually see their ads. Not, Verizon has some things on their television ad that his company's developing. He just goes, woo-hoo, I'm thinking, yeah, see, that's my God, my God, my God, my God, my God. See, when people do things for us, I take them to, to the Lord in prayer. I said, now, Lord, you love me, don't you? You love me, don't you? If you love me, take care of them because they're helping me. We got to work in agreement here, you know. Hey, glory. Woo, somebody ought to shout. <laughs> glory. All right, so uh, there is promotion for just doing what God told you to do. It doesn't, the mind can't calculate it a lot of times. The mind can't figure out how it's going to happen. But I just tell you this, God is, not, God is not unfaithful to forget your work and your labor of love. Praise God. So, uh, uh, but it requires the right heart to do it. Really, promotion is not up to God. It's up to you qualifying for it. Amen. Praise God. Now, um, uh, 1 Timothy 3, I'm not going to, well, let's skip that. Let's go to start looking at some of, these, uh, some of these qualifications. Number one, let's go to 1 Samuel 14. Because we want to serve God acceptably. We're going to go through several things here tonight. Uh, I hope you got, you're ready to catch all these because they're going to come and hit you real strong. And then we're going to move to the next one. Might have to keep up. 1 Samuel chapter number 14. And I think it's helpful to look at these references because sometimes we let them get biased if we don't. Sometimes it's good to mark them. Here's 1 Samuel 14, verse number 7. But I'll give you the context. There was a battle that uh, there some, were some enemies coming against Israel. And Jonathan decided to go out and, and attack them in a certain way. And he told his armor bearer, remember an armor bearer back in those days helped. That was really a type of helps ministry back in those days. They'd go with the general or whoever they were, they were helping. And they would carry things for them, sometimes their armor and so forth. But here in verse number 7, after Jonathan told his armor bearer everything that had God had put in his heart to do, look at what the armor bearer said in verse 7. And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart, turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. Oh, that's a good helps minister. That's a heart that is acceptable to God. Whenever you're serving under somebody. Do all that's in your heart. Not, well, I don't have that in my heart. Well, when it comes to serving somebody else, you don't hear for the pastor, you hear from him. Amen. Amen. There's, 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 there's rank and there's, there's divine authority and there's submission and authority. Amen. So do all that's in thy heart. And notice, I am with thee according to thy heart. Not, that's not in my heart. Not even whenever, you, whenever your leader tells you what God's telling him to do. I don't even like whenever people say, Praise God, I confirm that, Pastor, that's in my heart too. It's almost like they're trying to direct me and say, Well, yeah, Pastor, you're hearing from God because I hear from God. And if, you, if what you're hearing is the same as I'm hearing, I know you're right because, you know, you're under me or something. It just never quite sits right with me. That's in my heart too. Well, I didn't ask you if it was in your heart. I just told you what God said to me. People don't, 
people don't, they, they don't have a wrong heart sometimes about it, but it's just good to know some of these things. Hallelujah. <laughs> He's not looking for your confirmation. Amen. He's just looking to say, well, you help me. Yeah, I'll help you according to what's in your heart. Praise God. It's not your job to tell him what God's saying or not. Not your job to lead him. Or hear from, I mean, hear for him. Not if you're helping somebody else. Not if it's, if it's your own thing, then so be it. Fine. Hallelujah. Well, that went over like a lead balloon. Maybe we can go to the next one. I want to look at Philippians 2 before we finish that one here. Go over to Philippians 2. Like I said, we're going to look at a lot of references. And there's a, you realize there's a whole sermon in each one of these. But uh, we'll just hit the high spots and then move on on each one. Philippians 2, I like this. This, this passage has ministered to me over the years so much. Philippians 2, 19 and 20. This is talking about Timothy. He was a, one of Paul's spiritual sons. Yeah, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you. This is Paul talking to the church at Philippi. I want to send Timotheus un, shortly unto you that I may uh, uh, also be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. All men seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. You know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. So the, the thing that stands out to me here was, Paul was a well-known, well-traveled minister in the day that, this, that he's writing this, and knew probably tens of thousands of people. Well, maybe not personally, but he had preached to probably hundreds of thousands of people. And uh, he's met many people, he's met many church leaders, he's met many people that helped him in different ways and so forth and so on. But he said this, he said, I only have one person, look at that, who will do things, is like-minded like me, that will do things like me. Only one out of all those people. Isn't that an amazing thought? He's like-minded. Now how did he get to be like-minded? If you read other passages like over in 1 Timothy, you'll find Paul said, Timothy, you have fully known my, my manner of life, my faith, my love walk, and so forth. And that word fully known means you followed me up close enough to catch it. Some, some helps ministers don't stay close enough to their pastor's heart to catch his heart about things. You know how you can tell if you're catching pastor's heart? Whenever he gets something in his heart to, uh, to go into... And whenever he comes and talks to you about it, you say, Pastor, uh, God has already told me about that, not that you're leading him, but, but the reason I'm, I'm telling you that he told me is here's something that I've already laid out for you. Amen. Just for you to consider, not telling you how to do it, but just for you to consider if you'd like to do this, here's, a, here's some ideas, you know. You understand? They already pick up things before I even say something to them. That's catching somebody's heart. Amen. Tell, the, tell, me, tell me I'm doing good or else I'll, I think you don't get it, whatever I'm saying. So Paul had one man that stayed close enough to catch his heart and where he would think like he does things. He did things like Paul wanted them done. Without Paul having to go over it and over it and over it and over it and over it. Come on now. Sometimes we have to do that. We have to go over things and over things. It's because, really, because if they don't stay close enough, they start getting into their own way of thinking. Now, in their own life, that's fine. They can do things however they want. You understand what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about when it comes to serving under me, uh, there's a way we want to do things. And so 
uh, rather than having, you know, some people, because they're not close enough, you're always reeling them back in, reeling them back in, reeling them back in. Hallelujah. These are the people that are safe who catch the pastor's heart. Really what this is is an unselfish heart. Isn't that right? It's, it's not wanting to always push your way. It's just, it wants to just hear from, hear from God through the pastor. People that are always wanting to push to be, you know, put me in charge or let me be the leader or something like that. I'm talking about pushing for that. They're not safe people. I've discovered that over the years. They're not safe people. Because they're not looking to serve. They're looking to be promoted or recognized or something like that. Anyway, praise the Lord. So that was number one. This is serving God acceptably. Number two, over in 1 Samuel 10, let's, let's go back there. I've always preferred to not be in, the, in charge of things. Because that way I don't, I'm not responsible. I, I mean, people that really understand leadership, they understand they're going to have to give an account before God. And they don't want to be in something they don't have the grace for. You know? And they'd rather just be able to serve somebody else. Now sometimes God won't let some of us do that. Well, really, we all serve somebody else, but you know what I'm talking about. But we, we, we want to not be the head of things because you've got to give an account for that. <laughs> and number two, if you're the head of something, you've got to make all the decisions. If you're not the head of it, you can just, you know, say, well, pastor, however you want to do it. Praise the Lord. We'll do it the way you want to do it. I don't have to do all the praying, get all the direction. I can go play golf. You just, we'll just do how you say it. Amen. Anyway, some of you will get that. First Samuel 10. Let's notice verse number 26. This is whenever God had raised up Saul. Remember at the beginning of Saul, I'm talking about King Saul, and of, his, of his ministry as king, he was, he was on, he was right. He had a good heart. Then he got off later. But in the beginning here, notice when God was raising him up, notice what this says in 1 Samuel 6, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel 10, 26. Saul also went home to Gibeah, and there went with him a band of men whose heart God had touched. Whose heart God had touched. Amen. Well, these are people who God had put it in their heart to serve. These are not people you have to go out and recruit. Amen. People ought to be coming. If, they, if God has touched your heart, you're wanting to do something. You, you're not telling the pastor, well, I'll do this, but I won't do anything else. You just come and say, you know, I just have it in my heart to serve here. I don't know where you want me to put, put me wherever you want me, cleaning toilets, whatever. I just want to help here. Amen. Just be a blessing. Amen. God touched my heart. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. There's two kinds of people in every church. There's the people you got to pull and tug to get them to do something. Then there's people that are always saying, how can we help? What, what, what's the do around here? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, um, if you haven't responded to his touch, you know, here he said God touched their heart. In other words, God put something in their heart. That's something different. It's one thing for God to, to put something in your heart. It's another thing for you to respond to it. That's right. That's right. I, I always... When people come up to me and say, I've had something in my heart for a couple of years. <laughs> you know, you just want to go. 
been telling you I wanted somebody playing the saxophone, <laughs> you know. Well, I've had it in my heart for a couple of years to play the... Well, thank you for your snail pace, you know. <laughs> Amen. Can we have a sac... I don't, I'm, I'm innocent. I don't know who I'm talking to. Number three, since we're getting so many hallelujahs and... Blowing me back against the front of the church here. Let's look at another heart of a, of a helps minister, and that's a servant's heart. Servant's heart. What do I mean by that? Well, just think of some verses. Um, a servant's heart, Jesus said, Matthew 20, 27, Whosoever will be great among you shall be the servant of all. In other words, they don't have a heart to be the big head honcho, they, they see serving as greatness. People that see serving as greatness, they have the right kind of heart. Praise the Lord. Jesus said, Whoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. That's Matthew 23, 11 and 12. Well, you could say humbling yourself would include, could be other things, but include serving somebody else rather than, well, I can't serve anybody. I need to be the head of something. You understand? Then Jesus said, or, or the Bible said about Jesus in Philippians 2, 7, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Thought it not robbery to be equal to God. Took upon himself the form of a servant. Servant heart. Amen. Then it says in Acts 6, 2, we just look, looked at that. It says it's, uh, we should not leave the Word of God because we've got our assignment. That there's this thing of serving here. Praise the Lord. Now, um, Paul said in Romans 1, 9, he served God with his spirit. In other words, he's doing it with his heart, not just going through the motions. You know, um, pastors don't really need just people to do the work. They need them to have their heart in it. Remember, whose heart God had touched. Bring your heart. <laughs> not just your backbone or your whatever you're doing to scrub the floor. Bring your heart. And you know how we can tell if it's in your heart? You're joyful, not complaining, not looking for a way out of it, not always late. Amen. Hallelujah. Ephesians 6, 7 says, serve as unto the Lord. What if Jesus is standing there watching you while you're doing it? Just serve like He's always standing there watching you while you're doing it. Serve as unto the Lord. Well, I'm not being recognized. Well, we thank God for it. What? Well, go to 1 Timothy 5. I'll show you. Thank God for it. Nobody recognizes me. They don't appreciate all I do. Don't they know? Don't they know? Well, if they don't, you ought to thank God for it. First, uh, notice here, 1 Timothy 5. I love this passage. This will... This will separate the men from the boys. Let's look at what it says here in verse 24 and 25 actually. Some men's sins are open beforehand going before to judgment and some men they follow after. Here he's talking about the judgment seat of Christ. And uh, then he said, likewise also the good works. How many of you know if we're serving in an area of ministry that included be included in good works? The good works of some are manifest beforehand and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. Now the context here is the judgment seat of Christ from that previous verse. Sometimes, you ever notice some people, they just sin their whole life, seem like they get away with it? But I mean, you know, they're not really getting away with it. 
they're going to have to give an account. Seems like sometimes just things don't come out down here. Well, Jesus is saying, in this, or the Word is saying here, that things will come out. It'll come out. If, no, if not here, somebody, it'll be in heaven. Likewise, also the good works of some of that way. If, he said, some things don't come out down here that anybody knew you were doing it. But if it doesn't come out here, he said, uh, it can't be hid. In other words, God's going to see to it that you get your reward for it. And if nobody else recognizes that you've, you've done it or have been doing it yeah. and, and nobody knows it, yeah. well, then you need to thank God for that because if it doesn't come out down here, you just go, ooh, while I'm standing before the Lord and giving account for my life, He's going to stop the whole thing and say, ahem, heaven, shh. Listen, listen. I want to tell you all about the man down there in that church in Illinois they cleaned the bathrooms for four years and nobody even paid attention to the fact that he was doing it. I want you to know this is the man right here. You've been faithful over a few things. Be thou ruler over much. Woo! It's one thing for man to say something about it or get up here from the platform and say, we just want to thank brother so-and-so or something. You know, that's one thing. But for Jesus himself to say, I want to recognize this person. Oh! You can have all man's accolades and all his recognition. Just give me that. <laughs> yes, that's why I said thank God for it. You ought to almost hope nobody does recognize what you're doing. <laughs> Amen. Woo, glory. <clears throat> that, that's, that's shouting territory right there. Hallelujah. Bible says serve with all humility in Acts 20. Uh, verse 19, it says to serve fervent in spirit as unto the Lord and that in Romans 12, 11. So there's a lot of things God's looking for in our service, isn't there? Praise God. In other words, a servant is just that. He's serving. He's not looking to be paid. He's not looking to be recognized. I'm not saying it's wrong to pay somebody, but that's, I'm just saying on our side, if we're serving, that's not what we're there for. Amen. All right, let's go to the next one, and that is faithfulness. This is the kind of heart God's looking for, faithfulness. And remember, in, uh, uh, the Bible talks about God chose, in, in Acts 9 and Acts 22, Paul recounted how God chose him. But we see in 1 Timothy 1.12 why God chose him. The Bible said, Paul said this, he said, He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Counted me faithful. Well, think about that. Counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. That means there was something he was counted faithful in before he was even in the ministry. He wasn't in the ministry for a year or two before God said, okay, you're faithful. No, he said, he put me into it because he counted me faithful in something. Isn't that right? He was trustworthy with what God had appointed him to. I think it was probably, in his case, probably the preparation for it. Well, if you look at this truth throughout the Bible... God appoints people to stewardship who are faithful in a few things. You know Luke 16. Go over there if you want to or if you're listening, writing things down. Just listen. We know the passage. He that is, uh, he talks about serving and so forth. Verse 10 through 12. He that's faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that's unjust in the least is unjust in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? All right. So you put verse 10 and 12, or verse 10 and 11 together. Everybody still out there? Yes, sir. Haven't swamped you under yet? 
you put verse 10 and 11 together, the, the few or the least that he's talking about in verse 10 is money. Because he said, if therefore you've not been faithful with the unrighteous mammon. He's, he's looking for faithfulness in just natural things. Things like tithing, faithful to give. Amen. I mean, have you know, being a good employee, God looks at that. God says, oh, I want to I call them to something that I have in mind for them because I've been watching how they're faithful to their boss, you know. They don't cheat on their time clock like everybody else does. You know, whatever. Preaching good whether you're saying amen or not. <laughs> Keep the car ready, Brother Ike. We're leaving right after this. <laughs> amen. No, we're just having fun. But the, he said faithful. There's fa things to be faithful in before God even puts us into things. He's looking at a lot of things maybe, maybe Christians don't realize he's looking at. Well, so let's be faithful. I like some things it says in John 8 and John 5 and different places where Jesus said, He that seeks honor for himself is really not going to be honored. So he's looking to, faith, see, he's looking to see whether we're... So people can do things for the wrong motive. Everybody else thinks they're faithful, but God said, No, their whole motive is to to seek honor for themselves rather than serving. Yeah. Amen. Amen? Praise God. Well, let's think about this. That's faithful. Uh, faithful includes over the least things. And then also in verse number 12 here in Luke 16, he says, if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's. So there's stepping, uh, there's faithfulness stepping stones to promotion. Faithful in natural things, then he'll give you rulership over spiritual things. Maybe, maybe something in the nursery or something, whatever God's plan for you. But uh, then second of all, faithful over what's somebody else's. If you're not a good employee, why would God ever give you a business? You know, think about things like that. Faithful in that which is another man's. How about this, Proverbs eleven three, He that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Ooh. Are you confidential with the information you get? I appreciate people that whenever we share things with them, they don't go out and share it with other people. Not that it's anything that's wrong that can't be shared, but they just don't have that kind of heart to take everything they learn in confidential conversations and spread it to everybody else. Amen. He that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. I used to have that as a password on the computer. <laughs> I don't now or I wouldn't have told you. <laughs> Praise God. So you might look a faithful, but then you go home and you talk about something the pastor said to somebody that doesn't get that information wasn't their information. Amen. You realize pastors and department heads have to talk about things sometimes, and even regarding people in the department to make decisions about how they're going to conduct business. But then you don't go out of that meeting and say, you know what the pastor said about you? Well, go ahead and be unfaithful and get demoted. We're not talking about people to talk about them. We're making decisions because we're, we're to be good stewards over that department. Thank you for your enthusiasm. All right, the next one. I like this one. It's 1 Corinthians 12. I'm sorry, 1 Chronicles 12. Wow. 
I'll tell you something else about being faithful to uh, other people, and that is just doing things that please them rather than please yourself. Well, 1 Chronicles. Let's go over there to uh, the 12th chapter. Notice I like, this is all, there's, there's so much here, I don't have time to get into all this, but let's read verses 22 first, verse 22, and then we'll go down to some other ones here. 1 Chronicles 12, verse number 22. And I'll tell you what this is. Remember David was anointed to be king. Remember Saul didn't want, he wasn't going along with God's plan. Remember God had rejected him because he later had a wrong heart. And so David's anointed to be king, but remember Saul's chasing him and trying to kill him and so forth. But David never would, he had an opportunity to kill Saul, but he wouldn't do it. Because he said, I'm not going to touch God's anointed. And so uh, that whole thing is happening. But people started leaving Saul and coming to David. And then verse 22, For at this time, day by day, there came to David to help him, until it was a great host like the host of God. So there were helps ministry coming to him. They recognized God, Saul had, uh, lost the anointing, and they were coming to David. Saul was really, really he, Saul was a messed up man. It was getting pretty bad. So they were going to David. So that's verse 22. Now go down to verse number 33 here in the same chapter. Of Zebulon, because it lists each tribe who came. Of Zebulon, such as went forth to battle, experts in war with all instruments of war, 50,000, which could keep rank. They were not of double heart. I like verse 38 also. All these men of war that could keep rank came with a perfect heart to Hebron to make David king over all Israel. All the rest also of Israel were of one heart to make David king. Whoo, my goodness. They could keep rank. What does that mean? That means they just kept their nose out of their own business. They just said, okay, David, what's your, my assignment? This is your assignment. Okay, that's where I'm going to stay. I'm not going to get out of my rank and try to run something over here. Hallelujah. They mean, that means they understood divine order. The, the word rank in the Hebrew means order or arrangement. Praise God. Well, to keep rank, you have to be somebody that, you know how the military, because this is really talking about military, that, you know how the military is set up, there's really, there's a chain of command. And you don't get out of that chain of command or you're in trouble. <laughs> if you're in charge of a troop, but... And then you have the, the say over that truth. But there's also somebody that's speaking into your direction that you have to submit yourself to in order to be in that authority. There's no such thing as walking in authority without somebody having authority over you. So really, they're, they're staying in their place of authority. They, knew not just, they didn't just know how to give orders, they knew how to take orders. And their heart, it kept saying here, they weren't of a double heart, and it says they had one heart to make him king. They, their heart was to serve the man that God has drawn them to, that they saw the anointing on. Do you know there's blessings in this that most Christians don't realize? I like the story over there in Luke 7. We won't go there, but I'm just referring it to you. For, if you're writing things down, you can meditate on it. Remember that centurion that came to Jesus and said, My servant's at home sick, remember? Come and minister to him, and he'll be healed. And he was on his way, and people to say, don't come in trouble, don't come under my roof, I'm not worthy. But he said, just say the word, my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority. Yes. Amen. I say, uh, and uh, I have soldiers under me. I say to this soldier, go and do this, and he does it, and so forth. So, and I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Right. Ooh. Yeah. Come on. 
See, he, because he was submitted to that authority of that man in the natural, that man was actually able to exercise spiritual authority on his own behalf. Boy, there's benefits for being loyal. If you're loyal and you get in trouble, the other people that you're loyal to have the right to go to God and use their faith on your behalf. But if you get in trouble and you run to church, oh, help, help. We have to plead your case with, well, Lord, they come every three Sundays and, and they never have tithed. I know they're a millionaire, but they gave $20 last year. I don't know what to plead their case with. Lord, be merciful. I know you're merciful. You don't want somebody, you don't want the pastor, that's all he has to plead your case. Remember what Brother Hagin said? Remember that man that, was, that fell into that, what was that, that oil rig problem? He, he was almost killed. And he went to God and he said, Lord, I'm not going to let him die. He puts one third of his income into this church. He said, he's, I think he was a Sunday school superintendent or whatever they did it back then. And uh, he said, he helped me. And he said, I need him. And if I need him, you need him. And you remember the man's story? He lived and then told his side. He, was, he went to, actually did die, went to heaven and saw Jesus. And Jesus said, uh, I, I, you can't come yet. And he said, oh, I don't want to go back. See, that's one thing that series about hell. Everybody we have record of that ever went to hell, they wanted to get out. But everybody we have record of that went to heaven, they didn't want to come back. Get a clue. <laughs> anyway. The man said, I don't want to go back. He said, well, you're going to have to go back. He said, I don't want to go back, Lord. He said, you have to. He said, why? He said, pull back a curtain and here's Brother Hagin. Lord, I, don't want I can't let him die. I need him. Well, my, my, my. You want somebody to plead your case. Anyway, so keep rank. Next one. We can spend a lot more time on that one. The next one is 1 Timothy 5. We've kind of already looked at this. I won't go... Uh, <clears throat> back over it all. But uh, the kind of heart that God's looking for, the kind of servant's heart, is uh, a heart that doesn't have to be recognized. You know, it's proper to recognize people. It's proper to thank people and leadership, to appreciate people and so forth and so on. You understand. I'm not saying that that's not right for leadership to do that. But it's not our hearts as we serve that leader to have to have that in order, in order to be able to serve. That's what I'm talking about. That's what the Bible's talking about. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Some people have platformitis. You ever yeah. met people with platformitis? <laughs> they have to be on the platform or else I got to go somewhere else who recognizes my gift. Well, there are such things as people with gifts, but uh, until they have a right heart, sometimes you can't use them. Amen. Praise the Lord. I found this, that if somebody doesn't have the grace to be on the platform, they won't be a blessing up here anyway. <laughs> Amen. All right, the next one. 2 Samuel, I'm trying to wrap this up. 2 Samuel 23. This will separate the men from the boys again. <laughs> 2 Samuel 23, I like this, this, these men's hearts. Remember all these people that came to help David? Out of that group was raised up leadership and so forth, and it was, God was arranging things. Here's some mighty men of war that came to David and tells something that they had, the kind of heart they had for David. 2 Samuel 23, let's start in verse 13. Three of the thirty chief 
went down and came to David in the harvest time into the cave of Abdullam, and the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Raphim. And David was then in the hole, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. But see, there's enemy troops between them and that, that, that well. Look at this, verse 16. Oh my goodness, this kind of heart. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. David didn't command them to do that. He just had a desire, probably, you know, the best water he ever tasted probably or something. Man, he said, I just love a drink of water out of that well right now. He wasn't requesting somebody go get it. He wasn't, he wasn't demanding it. It wasn't his heart to put somebody's life at risk so they would get it. That wasn't his heart. He was just saying, man, that would taste so good right now. Those guys heard that and said, when they heard what he wanted, they said, let's go get it for him. And they risked their necks, they risked their life to get something that that man desired. Nevertheless, he wouldn't, look at verse 16, the rest of the verse. He would not drink it, therefore, but poured it out under the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things did also these three mighty men. See, David was an honorable man. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to ruin people's lives or anything. Well, he didn't command them to go. They just, what a heart. I have people in my church that I, I, I have to be careful. I can't express desires around them. Because over the years, not because I was desiring something they had, but I say, I like that tie, just because I was complimenting them. They take it off and give it. I said, no, I, I, keep it, keep it, keep it. I'm not asking for your tie. But that's the kind of heart they have. Now that's a whole lot different than a lot of Christians you meet. Well, bless God, if he needs something, he can get it himself. <laughs> I, I drive a pretty nice car. But uh, I didn't even tell many people that I liked it. I told them, I, I was not planning on, I, I, I had a car that I was getting older and I needed to replace it. Uh, when I got there to pastor, and I, I was just looking at the one I have now. I saw one in a lot, but I, I never really intended to buy it because I didn't think at that time it'd be a good stewardship of my money. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But I guess, I don't know who heard about it. I don't know, my wife tell you about it or something? The church went and, and got together and decided we're getting him that car. They went and got me a brand new one. Surprised me on my birthday back in 2006. I walked out and they parted and said, Happy birthday! And I'm like, <laughs> And people wonder why our church is so blessed, because that's the kind of people that are our church. I didn't ask for it. I didn't, I was, I liked it, but I said, no, I'm not going to do that because it's not. But they all paid for it. Woo, suki, suki. <laughs> anyway, have that kind of heart for your pastor. Everybody still here? Uh, another passage, I uh, like Romans 16. We just got a few more verses. Everybody still here? I don't want to swamp you under too bad. I know we're going long. Y'all are, I guess it's your fault because you're pulling it out of me. I'm, I'm preaching so long. <laughs> I'm almost done. Almost done. Romans 16 here. 
Just another example of this same thing. I like to have these verses written down in notes and then I can go back later and just meditate and, and see how God's talking to me out of them. That's one of the reasons. That's kind of the flow we're in tonight. It's just kind of a flow to get these things planted in you and let God develop them. Romans 16, verse number 3 and 4. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ, Jesus. These guys helped Paul. These, actually, it's a man and a woman. Uh, who have, for my life, laid down their own necks. Now, notice Paul didn't say, I just demanded that they do that. Paul, Paul's heart was not that they put their life in jeopardy. But he said that's what, that's what their heart was. They, for my life, have laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Praise God. I was sitting in Rainbow Bible Training Center at one point during the process of the two years schooling there, and I was sitting there after about a year and a half sitting in Brother Hagin's class, Faith Library. And uh, while he was ministering, and it happened again another situation, but while he was ministering, I sort of started zoning out, not, not zoning out of what he was teaching, but just started realizing where I had come from. And here I am sitting in what I consider the best Bible school in the world, sitting under this ministry. How my life has changed. And, and all these people that are going around the world and they're putting ministries all over the world, and I'm a part of this. And I sort of started zoning out into that. And I started weeping, tears started streaming down my cheeks. And then I realized, then, then I started weeping about something else. I realized, because he was telling stories about how at the beginning of his ministry, how he wasn't treated right. He wasn't complaining. He was just teaching the students, don't treat, don't treat ministers this way. And, and how he was treated and how so things happened. But he said, I didn't quit. And I got to the other side of that. And God promoted me because I was faithful. And I didn't quit. And I started, tear and then I started just thanking God that he didn't quit. Because if he'd have quit, 1985 come, and he wouldn't have been there whenever I needed him. And I started thanking God for all the people that helped him and financed his ministry and helped get Rhema started. And that, you know, and when they go to heaven, they're going to get the credit for all those ministers that were trained up. Man! Praise God. So I think, Paul said here, I thank God and so do all the churches of the Gentiles. See, when you help this pastor, you don't just help them. You're helping every other person that, that is either coming and being blessed at this church and even those that aren't here yet, that because you're faithful, you're still here whenever they do come in. God sees things like that and He won't forget it. Can you say Amen. I'll give you another reference, 2 Kings 4, 27. This is a story whenever Elijah uh, was ministering to that woman. Uh, her son had died. Remember, she came and she was, she was, there was trouble in her heart, but God didn't show him what it was. Uh, she, she wouldn't tell him. She said, all is well. Remember that? Remember Gehazi, her servant. This is in 2 Kings 4, 27. Whenever she came and grabbed onto Elijah's feet, it, her, his servant came to push her away. He didn't know what she was doing, you know. Well, you know, the prophet said, no, she's just a, a, a sorrowful woman. God hadn't shown me what's going on here. In other words, he had a heart to protect his man of God. That's the same kind of heart, isn't it? Lay, he was going to lay down his neck to protect whatever's going on here. I got a bunch of ushers in my church. <laughs> they pray the devil's out of the church, but they also, they take courses from Israeli troops that teach them how to take people out. <laughs> it's 
So if you come to my church, don't mess with me. <laughs> they take classes, I don't even know how to say it. These Israeli methods of, of controlling people. They, they know how to walk you out of the service in pain. And, and nobody knows that it even looks like they're in pain. Amen. Someone come after me, they'll have you boom on the floor before you even know what hits you. So I got angels and I got ushers. And one of them keeps telling me, I have my uh, concealed to carry permit. <laughs> I can bring it if you need me to. <laughs> Glory! Well, anyway, that's the heart. Praise God. Have the heart to protect your divine connections. Here's something to protect them from. Your fellowship with people who aren't saved. Going out and fellowshipping with people who aren't safe for the pastors, that's not protecting their heart. Amen. Well, I'm out of time. I'm going to quit right there. I wanted to get into excellence and how to serve with excellence, but we're just not, we don't have the time for that. Praise God. Just know that that's another thing pastors look for in the heart to serve is an excellent spirit. Like, like Daniel had an excellent spirit. That means do it good. Do it sharp. Put put great effort into it and make sure you know the world shouldn't be outdoing us in a lot of things they do we should be leading the world and cutting edge ways of doing things and creativity and graphic design and all the things that we do amen over in Malachi 1 God said these offerings aren't acceptable to me and he said what is it about the offerings he said well you're bringing the lame and the blind and the dumb and those, those animals that were sickly anyway. Well, look we'll this one to God because it's going to die anyway. That's not the kind of heart God wants us to have. Amen. So we should give our best, serve with the best we have. God, God's house should be the best. If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org or call us at 319 319- 366-2147. Or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you, and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life.